Welcome to the Blending In Podcast, where I chat with innovative educators who are integrating EdTech. I'm your host, Ashley Yazarlu, and I'm so glad you're listening in today. As teachers, we don't often get the chance to see into the classrooms of our colleagues, but by listening today, you'll get an auditory peek into the classroom of fourth grade teacher, Mikkel Bromley from Hemet Elementary School. So hi, Mikkel. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining me. And um, Mikkel and I were just chatting before we started the show and she is actually not a podcast listener. So this is her first time like being on a podcast or experiencing anything podcasty. So thank you for stepping out of your comfort zone with this and agreeing Absolutely. to talk to me. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. So I learned about you from our mutual coworker, um, Amber Anderson is a Tosa here in Hemet Unified. And she just said, you have to go see Mikkel Bromley. She is amazing. You have to see yeah. her teach. She's just awesome. And so then, um, on our ed tech walkthrough with, um, some of the Riverside County digital learning team, we went by your classroom and we were just sort of in awe of the learning that we saw taking place with between you and your students. And after we left your room, um, the director of educational technology for the county was like, that is exactly what blended learning should look like in, in classrooms. Oh, like it was that's beautiful. Thank you for yeah. telling me that. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. So who is Mikkel Bromley? Tell me a little bit about who you are as a teacher and how you came to be so awesome at what you do. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's funny. I had no intention of being a teacher um, because it was the family business. So my mother, my father, my grandmother, um, worked in LA Unified. My grandmother was in charge of math and gate in LA Unified. She was just renowned. And then her mom was also a teacher. And so I had no intention of, of following that path. And so when I went to college, I became an um, English literature major. And okay. so I loved reading and writing papers, but I honestly had no idea what I was going to do with it. It was just, you know, young and clueless. And so when I graduated from college, I, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I did want to marry uh, my now husband of almost 28 years. And so we got married. <laughs> Thank you. And we're like, okay, well, now what? Because we have no clue what we want to do. So we went to the Broman's bookstore in Pasadena, California, and we uh, were looking for law books. We thought it'd be fun to go to law school because we were in a de debate class together. And <laughs> that was simply why we liked debating. And so as we were looking through these law books, there was this little tiny book called How to Make a Million Teaching English in Japan. And it was not in the right place. And it just kind of like stuck out. It was really thin. And so we took it out and started reading it. And we were just intrigued with the idea of going abroad. He was a global studies major. Mm -hmm. And um, we were going to go abroad and teach English as a second language. Okay. And so we ended up going to Seoul, South Korea for a year. Oh, wow. And taught English. I never taught before. He never taught before, but where we figured, hey, we can speak English, right? Yeah. Um, when we got there, the director saw me teach and said, you know, our curriculum is not great. Would you like to just design your own? 
And I said, sure. And he gave me all the money and the resources to create my own curriculum. And so when I came back from Seoul, South Korea, I realized, okay, this is what I love to do. Um, it's in my blood, evidently. <laughs> and so I ended up going back to school and getting my teacher credential at Cal Poly Pomona. And so that's kind of like where it started was like, okay, I I guess I really do have a heart for this. You sound, (laughs) your journey sounds a lot like mine too. Like I have a long line of educators in my family and I was trying to do other things Mm -hmm. and then circled back because it's just in the blood. (laughs) I, I guess, you know, and then my first year teaching my grandmother, who's like this guru of education, walked into my first grade classroom. I was teaching in Temple City and she said, I want to see math. And I'm like, well, we're teaching reading right now, grandma. And she goes, um, I want to see math. I'm like, okay, kids, <laughs> yeah, grandma. grandma wants to see math. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was, it was funny, her perspective on it. Cause she'd been teaching, you know, many years ago. And she's like, why are you repeating yourself? I'm like, well, there's six, you know, sometimes they need me to repeat that. Oh no, I never repeated. I never repeated myself. You know, we would have like, we could slap them on the back of the hand. I'm like, grandma, you can never do that now. <laughs> You did not last a day in public oh, education. Oh, yeah. Oh, how times right? have changed. <laughs> oh, for sure. And she was like appalled that we had standards. And she's like, what do you mean? You have to they you have to do what they tell you. I'm like, yeah, grandma, like you can't just do whatever you want. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, and she just, she's just always been someone I've looked up to. She got her um she got her PhD in Piaget and she just, you know, she's an amazing educator. Um, and so, uh, but it was funny to have her actually observe me in the, in the classroom. <laughs> wow. Well, so how did you end up out here in Hemet? So um, I worked in Temple City Unified for my first six years teaching first grade. But then when the housing market just skyrocketed, Mm -hmm. we wanted to have our first child and we couldn't afford Pasadena. And they Mm -hmm. say, drive to where you can afford it. And so we drove to Hemet. (laughs) (laughs) So we took the money we had saved from our teaching in, in Seoul, South Korea, and used it as a down payment on a house. And so we ended up um, buying a house out here and we've been out here ever since raising our two daughters. Um, and so, I mean, I, I love it. Honestly, I've taught at McSweeney for 12 years. I taught as uh, second grade. I taught at Coston for a couple years, fourth grade. And now I'm at Hemet Elementary, also teaching fourth grade. And I really think fourth grade is where I will probably retire. It's just yeah. like it just seems like my grade level. It's your sweet spot. It is. (laughs) Well, I got to say you were, you were doing some amazing things that day we came in and I know we only got like a, a snapshot of, of your day and, and what it's like in your classroom. But um, we saw kids just engaged with the technology, but they were also writing on their desks and then they were going to be recording, like using a little recording box, like there were just so many things going on there <laughs> and the kids were all a hundred percent participating and engaged and we were just blown away. So how do you, how did you get there? Like, how do you make that happen? Like that magic, how does that happen? Um, I think one thing I truly believe in is voice and choice. And so we, we've done a lot to get there. Like we make a class constitution. We try to build like a classroom family. Um, I try to give them lots of opportunities to voice what they want. When we do like must do's and may do's, 
Um, you know, there's the things I need them to do, but then they always come up with a list of may do's and it always involves technology. If mm-hmm. they want to do some coding, if they want to do, um, some games, if they want to do, um, the iPads, um, they, they typically will pick those things. And then those are motivators because they yeah. have to get some things done and that gives them something to look forward to. Um, using Google forms a lot for surveys in my class, like, well, how do you want to be rewarded? Like, how do you want to be praised? That kind of thing. Mm. Um, the Flipgrid, the Flipgrid is, has been a, quite a journey. I have some very quiet girls in my class this year. And they, at first, were really hesitant. They didn't want to record themselves. Um, we had to negotiate a little bit. I was like, well, you know, <laughs> I, I want to hear your voice. Because I started Flipgrid with fluency practice. Because I have 34 students. And I need to hear them read every day. Yeah. And that's hard to do when kids are being pulled for band and choir and all these things. But if everyone's recording themselves reading on Flipgrid, then it's easy for me to just check their videos and listen to them read something um, when I have time at home. And then I can respond to them and they can respond to each other. And so just getting them to practice for fluency and then record themselves. I said, I really just want to make sure I can hear your voice. So if you're not comfortable, you know, having your face, I've told some of them you know you can put a puppet in front of the camera if that makes you comfortable but it needs to be your voice I need to hear that you're reading the words um, to practice that reading fluency so I mean we I negotiate with them I I am sensitive to their feelings um, and there's some give and take there it's not like my way or the highway like but um, the thing that you saw from Wonderopolis, which is just a great website, yeah. I took that and created Google Forms that were topic specific so that kids could, we could really tap into their inquiry and they could read about something that they want to read about. Yeah. Because our curriculum is like, okay, you're reading about this and maybe the kid's not interested in that. Yeah. And kids will work harder in literacy and reading if it's something they're interested in. So the great thing about Wonderopolis is it's a, it's really tapping into their curiosity. So if the topic was dogs, which is what you saw, yeah. you know, what questions do you have about your dog? Most of us have had a dog. Like, why is the dog's nose wet? Why does the dog chase its tail? Why is chocolate dangerous for dogs? What are you curious about? And then when they go to that website and they have that emergent reader pop up, it really is nice for those who aren't able to read such difficult articles that they can listen to it through their headset and see the words highlighted word by word and read along with it and teaching them note-taking skills as they're immersed in that so that they can go back and then write, which is one of our essential standards, the main idea and summary of an article. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're kind of empowering them with, look, I'm giving you all these ways to access. Technology is great for that. It gives Mm -hmm. them access when maybe their ability isn't quite there yet. Yeah. But by having that emergent reader, like right there in it, um, even my non-readers are at Mm -hmm. least able to pause it and like write down some words, right? Yeah. And then they can copy those words into their Google form. And it might not be a perfect sentence, but when I look at it later, I can go, okay, she did understand kind of the gist of the article Mm -hmm. and it's giving um, her opportunity to have a voice. Yeah, that was huge. I mean, okay, so there's so many different 
things going on there, like tapping into their social emotional needs with the voice and choice and promoting that like self-regulation and the autonomy of being able to work independently. They were, they were reading by themselves with headphones. So you had tools for accessibility. They were using, I think uh, a Microsoft immersive reader was being used. Was that um, what actually it was? it's, it's on Wonderopolis. It was itself. on. Yeah. yeah I so saw if you it. Just click on listen. It has an emergent text just pop right up. Yeah. So it has that immersive reader like capability built in for the kids that like need that. Mm -hmm. um, they were writing on the desks within also transferring into the Google form then going to that little recording studio. I mean, there were so many things happening there and so many standards being practiced and addressed during that little 10 minute window that mm -hmm. like our minds were blown. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the kids were not giving you any flack about it. Like, mm -hmm. no, they were just going right along and, and, and plugging along and, and seemed to be happy to show off their skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really absolutely. Cool and some of them do like the flip grid and the and the videoing. You know, I have about yeah. eight um recording studio boxes that I made based on a template I saw on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And um they have the little light that they can turn on. So they like sticking their Chromebooks in there and recording at their desk. And we've we've taught them that hey, when you see people recording, you need to be quiet because we don't want to hear you, we want to hear them. Um, and so yeah. they've also learned some respect in that, in that way to respect each other more. Yeah. And I think I snapped a photo of the recording studio box. So I will link a photo of those boxes mm -hmm. into the show notes. If you can send me the link from wh where you found yeah. that so I can provide that to other people. Cause I think that was just a really cool way. Like you said, it, it gives that element of privacy for the student. Mm -hmm. so, the, so those that are timid about recording themselves, I just, they have right. their own little private studio <laughs> that yeah. they could just kind of sit in front of and do their thing. I just thought it was amazing. Kind of a novelty too, because they can yeah. go back and get it, take it to their desk when they're done, they take it back and they've gotten really good at it. I think yeah. part of the reason it was so smooth with you is because they have been doing it all year. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't the first time. No. It wasn't like, the, hey, we're going to do this for people that are coming in. Yes. They're totally used to, you know, and now my grade level, I, I work with just amazing women on my grade level. We're all doing a 50 book challenge and they're yeah. taking on Flipgrid as well. And so they want, um, when their students do like a book report, they're all going to record it on Flipgrid. And that is our way as teachers to make sure they truly understood what they read. Yeah. And then we have rewards along the way as they're trying to meet their 50 book challenge. And that's for the entire fourth grade. And so just really trying to get students to read more so we can bridge that huge gap we're seeing. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. I just, that's another thing. I'm really impressed with that ability to get your, your adult team to collaborate and be around the same page and moving forward in the best interest of what the students need in a creative way that blends in that technology um, yeah. to really encourage them to, you know, get on track. So this is, this is awesome. Um, so that the other, this brings me to this other question. So I know, again, we, we only saw that like little snapshot and you said the kids have been doing that all year long. So it wasn't like you were putting on a show for people that came in the room, right. like this is their every day. Like they know what they're doing. And that was very clear to us too. Like this wasn't just something that was happening today. Like this is 
the regular routine that happens in this classroom. So how do you sustain that all year long, keeping the students engaged and motivated to do that hard work of learning? And then also avoiding burnout yourself, because it I, this has to take a lot of like energy and planning and forethought and you know, I, you mentioned earlier going home and listening to their videos and that's a lot of time. So how do you balance all of that? <laughs> I just imagine my team in my head right now laughing. Um, so, <laughs> so for like the Wonderopolis stuff I was doing that you saw, I spent my summer making about 50 different Google forms on different topics. So that's already made. So I don't have to like go home and make those. What I do is try now to pick ones that integrate nicely and seamlessly into what we're doing in science, what we're doing in reading. So um, as you were in there, we were doing, you know, inquiry about dogs because we were reading the novel because of Winn-Dixie. Mm-hmm. So those two complement each other. Yes. When we were doing Carolina science program about energy works, all of our Wonderopolis stuff was about energy and about wind and about water power. And so it kind of integrates nicely into it and enhances the experience of learning about a scientific thing. Right now we're learning about the gold rush and social studies. And so those Wonderopolis things are going to lend itself towards that. Um, so trying to integrate curriculum, all of that across curriculum, I think is important for connections for students. I'm also the STEAM coordinator at my school, and I'm mm-hmm. always trying to find avenues of inserting STEAM um, into everything we do because that's highly engaging. Yes. And yeah. tech is a huge part of that STEAM. It's the T. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so um, yeah, I mean, we we use technology quite a bit in that respect. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that you spent a good deal of time on your own personal time, which kudos to you, because there's a lot of people out there that will not give up their personal time at all. But you sacrificing that personal time in the summer has almost freed up time during the year for other things. And I think that's so important for educators, like the backwards planning, like the the going starting from the the beginning of the year, the summer and getting things ready, like totally makes your year a lot smoother. And that way you're not going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with these kids the next day? You know, it's, it's already planned. Yeah. Yeah. So my entire team, every week we do a Google, we do a Google assignments for the week and we Mm -hmm. all do the exact same thing. So we have slides that we Um, put up for the students that this is what we're going to get done on Monday. This is what we're going to do on Tuesday. And we share those slides so that throughout the week, we're all paced together. Mm -hmm. We're all doing the same thing. And then we have hyperlinks in there for the students as well. And so just being highly organized, like you said, mm -hmm. frees us up to really enjoy the learning process and be able to say, okay, you guys, we're putting this on Google Classroom and we'll, we'll show them where it is on Google Classroom. They click on it. And then we can be free to rotate around the room, make sure everyone's on task, um, you know, staying away from our desk and really being proximity with the students and seeing them um, working with technology because it's already all there for them. Yeah. And I heard you basically say you're sharing the workload with your colleagues. So it's not just one person putting this together and giving it to the team and saying, here's what we're doing, but you're all working together to build these 
resources and you're staying on the same page. And I keep hearing the phrase, you know, we're better in collaboration than isolation. And Mm -hmm. your team is evidence of that, that exact model. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we really are. I mean, I'm I'm so thankful for them because even if there's like, you know, technology is great when it works. Yes. When it doesn't, <laughs> and you're like, good grief, what do I do? Oh, yeah, yep. there's a whiteboard behind that projector. I guess I could use that. Um, <laughs> you know, like what am I gonna do today? Plan so, B. <laughs> like they'll come over and and one of them um like moved all my cords around and totally fixed my Elmo the other day. And our tech department couldn't even do that. But she was like, well, this is how I connect it. And now it works better than before. Yeah. And so just being there for each other. And, um, you know, anytime there's an issue like that, we're, we're just there for each other. So that's so important. That It is. It's, it's huge. It's vital. And I think sometimes we get locked into our four walls mm-hmm. and we don't get out there and get connected with our colleagues enough and, and the the few experiences that I had in the classroom where I was connected with a coworker and we were collaboratively planning made a huge difference in my day-to-day with my kids. And so I'm glad to hear that that's happening at your site for, I mean, it's what's best for the kids too. Oh, a- absolutely. And you know that all the fourth grade is getting the same thing. Yes. Equity, you know? right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> equity. And there, and I love that my team is so eager to like, just jump in. Cause I'll mm-hmm. say, Hey, I want to pilot this. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. We're, we're all for it. And there's a lot of people who are hesitant. They'll be like, well, you know, I, I already have enough on my plate or how am I going to squeeze that in? Mm-hmm. And we sit down together and work that out. We're like, yeah. okay, where, how are we going to fit in? Let's talk about it. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. You've, you've given me so much good stuff today, Mikkel. Okay. You've mentioned, um, you mentioned Wonderopolis, you mentioned Flipgrid. Well, it's, I think it's flip now, same thing. Flip, Flipgrid. Yes. <laughs> they um, had to make it shorter. So it's cooler. <laughs> you've mentioned Google classroom, Google slides, um, thinking about all of the technology that you are blending in and that your team is blending in. What do you think is your favorite or maybe even the kid's favorite tech tool to use? Hmm. They love, I mean, they love all those online uh, review games like Kahoot and Gimkit <laughs> and Look It and all of yeah. those that we, you know, we use those as either a reward or to reinforce what we've taught. We don't use that to teach, but we yeah. use that as a fun thing afterward. Yeah. Um, I think for a fourth grade teacher, Google Classroom really is the, the hub that yeah. is uh, the most important thing. Cause we've done Jamboard, we've done Pear Deck, we've done, we use a lot of Cami so that we don't have to photocopy anything. Um, and so for teachers, it makes it much easier for yeah. us to have all these devices. I mean, in, in a way, COVID did kind of help us with that because this district was so wonderful to do the tech fest. And we yes. went and, and learned all these great things that we never probably would have even tried. Yeah. And then we took these classes and we learned about Pear Deck and all these things and Screencastify. Yeah. And I probably never would have tried Screencastify had it not been the pandemic. And oh my goodness, now we're doing online learning. But now even in the classroom, when I do my math lessons, I have all the Screencastifies I made for Eureka Math. Mm-hmm. And so my math is a flipped classroom. Yeah. And so during must do's, they listen to the screencast and take notes on the lesson before I teach it. Mm. And then when they have done that in their must do's, I will now do the problem set with them. So, and honestly, it saves me time. Yeah. 
they've done the application problem already. It's it's still yeah. me speaking. It's me on a whiteboard. You've you've cloned yourself. Pretty much. I have. <laughs> I know. They're like, is that you? And I'm like, doesn't yep, it sound like me? me? Come on. It's my twin. You know, and I I we preach this a lot, like to teachers. Like, if you're gonna say the same thing, especially in secondary, six times a day, mm-hmm. just record it. Yes. Have the kids watch you and then it frees you up during that time to actually meet the kids where they're at. And the value, like the value of promoting your credibility with students when they see that you have taken the time to record that lesson and it's your voice, not just a video that they've randomly pulled off the internet, but it's you Mm -hmm. teaching them that concept. You've taken the time to build that for them. I think they really see that this teacher is, is invested in me and cares about me and has put in the time to create something that is helping me learn. And I just think that that helps them buy in to what you're trying to sell, right? Like it makes them more motivated to participate. So thank you for doing that. Like it makes yeah. me excited. The other day, one of them's like, do you have a dog? I can hear barking in the background. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that would be my dog. Um, he wanted attention that day. Yeah. yeah. And that's another point that you bring up is the videos that you're creating for your students don't have to be perfection. It's okay for there to be background noise or for you to stumble over your words and make mistakes. Like Mm -hmm. it shows your humanity. And I think kids value that too. So I I appreciate you being a model of that for other teachers, whoever might be listening to this, like jump in, don't be afraid to video yourself. Like it's totally worth it. It's worth the time you spend. I think so. And it does save me time in the long run. So being super prepared ahead of time, it overall really does help me. Awesome. Okay. Last question I'm going to throw at you before we end our conversation today. For you, what is the best part of teaching? Oh, wow. I think the best part is just seeing when they get it. When you can see like the light bulb on, I mean, like you literally see them go, oh yeah, okay. And maybe you've had to get there in five different ways. Like you worked on something like say fractions and we've done it with food and we've done it with Legos and we've done it with tech and we've done it with all these things. And then finally they're like, oh, this is easy. Okay. I can do this. Yeah. And feeling like, okay, I I reached that kid They're hopefully made some connections. Right. Yeah. But now I can take them to the next step. I think I I love that. I love that. um, Seeing that. And and you're working really hard to try to get that out of 34 children. Um, And it happens at all different times. And sometimes it even doesn't happen when you're the one teaching. Sometimes it's when they're teaching each other. Yeah. And you're like, you know, turn to your partner and explain to them what we did. And then that person goes, oh, now I get it. Yeah. But you've at least facilitated that interaction between them. Right. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I want you to teach them. And sometimes kids can relate better to kids and their terminology and, and how they speak to explain something. Yeah. And so being able to give up that, I don't know, that power and say, you know, I want to see if you can. Um, teach each other. I do that a lot in math. Like who, give me a five. If you think you could teach this concept and they say, um, yeah, I'll have like about five kids. You say, yeah, I think I could teach it. Okay, great. I want you to teach it. And I put them in the corners of my room and I say, okay, who thinks there are three who thinks there's a two, you need more help or one, you're not getting it all. And I divide them up based on how they give a self-assessment. Yeah. Now they're in small groups and they have to teach each other using my different whiteboards around the room. Um, 
the the same idea and see if they can get them to um, get it. And then I tell those little teachers, you know, <laughs> you're going to know if they understood it when I give the exit ticket. Yeah. And you're going to get, that's your feedback. You're going to see if you were a good teacher. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Like empowering them. And yeah. you just mentioned like that there was no tech involved in that. It's just a whiteboard and them teaching yeah. each other and just having a conversation with their peers. And sometimes that can be the light bulb. <laughs> yeah, it can. Yeah. Well, I have just so enjoyed talking to you, Mikkel. Um, One thing I wanted to mention is um, dur- during our EdTech visit walkthrough, you provided our Riverside County visitors a one-page document that sort of outlines like your technology that you're using in, in your classroom. I'd love to be able to provide that to listeners. If you're okay with that, I'll link it in the show notes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking thank with you. me today. You have been such a joy. <laughs> this was easy. I could totally do this. You could thank totally you. do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No hey, maybe you could do podcasting with your kiddos. <laughs> oh, maybe. I mean, if they're used to Flipgrid, this uh, may yeah. be the next step, right? Modify Flipgrid into a podcast. Totally exactly. doable. <laughs> well, thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Blending In podcast. I hope you gleaned some inspiration to blend in EdTech and some top-notch transformational techniques into your instruction. You can find show notes and resources from today's episode on our website, blendinginpodcast.com. If you loved what you heard today, leave a review and hit the subscribe button to get notified when new episodes are dropped. Also, follow us on social media and use hashtag blendinginpodcast to add to the conversation. Until next time, don't hesitate to innovate and integrate.